2020 was a crazy year for sure, but never has it been more apparent that many of our jobs can be done from anywhere. And the sky is the limit for what you even do for a living. This has made things difficult, but also made so many things possible. Today, I'm talking with a guest who literally thought up her dream career and made it happen. So I can't wait to unpack this with you. Here we go. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Hello, guys. My name is Katie, and welcome to another episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Today, I'm talking with my new friend on the interwebs, Erica. And I was drawn to Erica because she has a lot of information about women trying to find what they want to be when they grow up and chasing their passions. And she built a career that just sounds fascinating. And I thought she had so much cool stuff to share with our listeners and honestly, for me too. So welcome, Erica, to the podcast. Yay. Thanks for having me, Katie. I'm so stoked to be here. First, can you just give our listeners like a, you know, 20,000 fit view of who you are and what you're doing today? Totally. So hello, I'm Erica. I am the blogger behind Coming Up Roses, which is comingupbrosestheblog.com. And I also have a podcast called Thrive. I wrote a book this year called Caffeinate Your Soul, 52 Monday Mantras. Uh, what else? Oh, and I teach a course called Boss Pitch, which helps fellow content creators monetize their influence. So I kind of do all the things right now. Uh, and I'm a wife and a mama to a two-year-old. So that is that is the very fast 20,000-foot view Uh, (laughs) Well, the fact that you are upright and talking with complete sentences and you have a two-year-old, I mean, I'm impressed by that. So My my coffee right now is even a little bit warm. So crushing it. it. Um, By the way, very clever play on words with the boss pitch Mm -hmm. Uh, course. Nice. I like, I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) It's trademark. Don't worry. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. So where did that start? Like, tell me about you, your entrepreneurial journey. I know it's a lot, but I'm very interested in how you got there. For sure. So I feel like I can empathize a lot with your listeners and anyone in college because I started college thinking that, actually thinking like I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do with my life, uh, which ended up not being what I am currently doing with my life. So funny how God works. But I went into college thinking that I was going to work in brand strategy. So I I went to the Wharton School of Business. I was going for marketing and an entrepreneurship concentration and thought I thought I was going to work at an ad agency or a marketing agency, that sort of thing. And for probably I would say 3 years that's what I was doing. I was doing a ton of internships and really active actively pursuing the field. But at the same time in my sophomore year of college, I started a blog. 
And at that point, blogging was not at all what it is today. It was very much still kind of like an online diary of your thoughts, not people jumping on Instagram or like, it was not the age of like going on The Bachelor to get big on Instagram and have Fit Tees sponsor you, like (laughs) a totally different scene. And I was truly just doing it as a creative outlet and as a fun hobby because I was really stressed out with my academic workload. I was like, you know what? I really need a creative outlet. I discovered that you could create a website where you just like talk about whatever the heck you want to talk about. And that sounded awesome to me. So I did it. And it started as really just an inspirational thing at the time. I've always been big on motivation and personal development. I do some motivational speaking now too. So it's like, it was always something that was more so basically like journaling my my thoughts and my personal growth and doing so in a way that I thought would be helpful and hope-giving for other people. And then I just kind of started falling in love with it. So it kind of then branched into where I was starting to dabble in fashion content and beauty content and learning more. And I just like really threw myself headfirst into it because I was just I was fascinated and some would say obsessed. And it was such a good distraction from everything else. Um, at the time. So it was just kind of a very slow and steady build. I started adding photos and just learning more, got a camera, all of that good stuff. And eventually I ended up getting an offer for a collaboration with a brand. And I distinctly remember this. It was with the boutique and they wanted to send me a dress and $50 to talk about them. And I literally thought I won the lottery. I was (sighs) like, oh my God, I just made it. Like, this is my big break. I am getting 50 bucks and a dress and that I I'm doing it. So that was like my first foray, my first foray into working with brands. And it really just started snowballing from there where I just kept growing, kept trying to get better at what I was doing, kept writing more, kept creating more and just kind of like Instagram wasn't even really a big thing at that point. It kind of became more of a thing in, I don't, I want to say like 2015 ish maybe. Um, but I still was just so in love with it. And then by the time I was ready to graduate school, I was at the point where I was making a much better amount of money from it, where I was looking, able to look at it and, and realistically think that I could turn it into my full-time job after graduation. If I was giving it what I was thinking of as full-time effort. So I was, I was at a crossroads where I was like, all right, do I pursue this entrepreneurial thing full-time? Or do I get what many would consider to be a stable job at a nine to five at an agency? And I I just went for it. I just was like, you know what? If I'm going to do it, it makes the most sense to do it now because I was, I was engaged to at the time who was the guy who's now my husband. And we were looking at it and I was like, you know what? If someday we want to start a family, it's going to be more – at the time we thought it would be more beneficial for me to – jump into the entrepreneurial world before having children because it's a baby in and of itself to own a business. Um, And I figured that making the transitional change from a blossoming nine to five career at an ad agency into entrepreneurship at some point down the road would be harder because I figured my time would be even less in my control if I had a full-time nine to five while still balancing my blog and content creation. So I figured, you know what? The time is now. I'm going to take a leap of faith. I prayed a lot about it and I went for it. And once I did that, I created my course, Boss Pitch, because so much, I felt like I went through so many roadblocks and so many obstacles and had to do so much, like really just digging to find information on how to make it happen. 
that once I figured out how to make it happen, I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a resource for people that is everything that I wish I had <laughs> back when I was trying so desperately to make this my my job and my livelihood. So I did, and that's when I created Boss Pitch. And then uh, fast forward to October of 2019, yeah, a year ago, uh, was when I started my podcast, Thrive, and my book just came out in May of 2020. So it kind of all just started growing and snowballing from there. But that was the that was the beginning of it all. Oh my gosh! And but this is like you're making really good money. I mean, you know, a lot of times we look at bloggers from the outside looking in, it's so interesting because a lot of people you might look at like, wow, they have beautiful Instagram pictures and they have a lot of followers. Cool. They may be making nothing from it, you know, and also have a side job at a Taco Bell. I mean, like you don't know. Um, But then you have people, really the followers obviously has very little to do with the, the money that you make. But then you have people who have moderate to even large followings who just know how to monetize it better. And, and to you seem to know something that a lot of people don't know, or perhaps on the other side of the screen, just don't fully understand what all goes into it. You know what I mean? Totally. I honestly think it's a combination of both because to this day, I mean, I've been doing this for seven years now and it's been my full-time job for over four. And I still on what feels like a much too frequent basis, have to explain to potential brand partners what it is that I do or why I deserve to be paid to work for them. Like there are, there is still so much that people don't know or don't get in the industry, which I also get because it's still in the grand scheme of things, a pretty relatively new industry with so much that's just not talked about. So it's, it's definitely weird. I, I make good money now. I make much more than I did back in the day, but it also still very much fluctuates, especially after the pandemic and everything, where there will be times where I will have a, an awesome month and make 20 grand in brand partnerships. But then there's times where I might be struggling and be pitching brands out the, out the wazoo because I'm worried that I'm not going to have not going to have that in a month, you know? So it's, it very much fluctuates based on the timing of what what brands have going on with their marketing campaigns, which I think is what I, my, my education and pursuing that as my job before doing this, I think very much helps me in terms of talking the talk and knowing the lingo and being able to have a higher, a more, I guess like a more strategic higher level conversation with brands to help kind of match what they want from me with what their actual goals are. But at the same point, it still doesn't eliminate all of the BS that comes through my inbox or my DMs or whatever of people just being like, yeah, can you do like this and this and this and this and this and I'm not going to pay you anything. And like if you sell a hundred product, then I'll give you a check for 10 bucks. And you're like, it's there's just so much that comes through where you're like, huh? Like I can't, I'm not going to pay to work for you. Like you have to pay me to do work for you. That's how this works. So it's, it's, it's wild. And I've seen it too. I've seen it where there's girls that have over a hundred thousand Instagram followers who haven't even monetized or who still accept a hundred bucks to do a post. And it's like, there's a lot of, um, a lot of misconceptions in the industry. And there's a lot that is so different than what you see with like jobs in traditional media or traditional marketing, like billboards and TV ads and whatnot. So it's, it feels like the Wild West more often than not. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. This is Katie and I want to pop in real quick and let you know I am booking speaking for spring semester. If you don't know, my name is Katie and I wrote a book called Sorority Girls Can Change the World based on the trend setting power I see in sorority women and how to use this power for good. 
But I've also been asked recently to speak at different women's groups. One of my passions is healthy dating, making healthy choices in all areas of life, and of course, bringing truths to my 20-something-year-old friends. So if that is of interest to you, please reach out. Thanks to Zoom meetings, I can do so many more events and also make it more affordable because we don't have to pay for airline tickets and all that other stuff. So I would love to reach out to you and help empower whatever girls, women's, or college group that you have. You can find all the details at katiebulmer.life. There'll be a link there for speaking. Yeah. So my background is in marketing and I've worked in radio, TV, print, just a lot of different forms of advertising. So I, I find this especially fascinating. And what you said is so true. It is kind of the wild west and we're kind of navigating how to do this well. And I don't know if there is a, a rule book, <laughs> but you said something that I want to know more about. And Essentially pricing yourself because yes, there are people with huge influences who are taking or undercutting themselves, so to speak. And there are, there's ways to also know what you're worth and to ask for it and to not apologize for that. And women especially are so just not skilled in this. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, sure, I'll do 50 posts for you for $5. Like, no, like, how do you price yourself and how do you um, talk with confidence around that subject? Great question. So in terms of talking with confidence about that, I see this all the time. And honestly, I still have to correct myself on this sometimes, which kind of goes to show how difficult it is. I think since I teach a course on this too, and have been doing this so long, like I hypothetically shouldn't have any, any errors with this, but I'll still catch myself and have to edit an email. So there's a few things that I always like to tell people should just be like eliminated from your vocabulary right from the start. One being the word just, I see this all the time, especially when people are following up with a brand or if they didn't necessarily get an answer right away, it can immediately hit your confidence. And I, this is like beyond the world of influencer marketing. I think just in work in general, like you might not get the immediate answer that you want or the immediate yes that you're looking for. So I'll see people go, oh, hey, yeah, I'm just following up. Like I'm just... No, like it just immediately diminishes you and immediately makes it seem like you are like a bother to someone or that you think that you're a bother to someone and you're like justifying having to reach back out. And it's like, no, 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 no. Someone else didn't respond to their own inbox. That's not on you. (laughs) That's on them. You're trying to have a, a professional conversation with somebody. And if they're just blatantly ignoring you, that's not necessarily your fault. So it's totally fine to say to someone, yeah, hi, I'm following up on this because I emailed you and haven't heard back. Um, and like that word in and of itself is like a very powerful thing to eliminate. I have found, and I have also found that it's really important to actually ask for what you want. I see this constantly, especially in the course that I teach where we always have a tendency to say to people, just let me know if you would be interested in working together or let me know your thoughts that in and of itself Sounds, I think, like a pretty innocent phrase. However, when you are trying to actually get a response from somebody, especially if you are like negotiating a paycheck, for example, which is like a more, which is a higher stakes conversation, that doesn't actually necessitate a response because you could say, okay, let me know if you want to do this. Well, if you don't hear back for in two weeks, the underlying assumption is that they just weren't interested but there could have been other things that went wrong and why they didn't respond. Like someone's inbox could have been busy and they just genuinely missed your email and you might not hear from them 
And now it becomes awkward for you to follow up because you said, let me know if you're interested. You didn't hear from them. Hypothetically, you could assume that they just weren't interested and that's why they didn't let you know. But that almost like eliminates your the possibility and the opportunity that it wasn't that, which I have seen happen many, many times where people get busy or you went to a spam box or someone just genuinely missed your email and wasn't intentionally ignoring you. So I have found it to be much more effective to actually ask a specific question that has a question mark in it to get what you want. So instead of saying like, let me know if you would like to work together, instead asking specifically, would you like to partner together with me on XYZ? And have there be a question mark at the end of that statement. Because people, I think, psychologically feel much more compelled to answer you if you are actually asking them a specific question rather than just throwing out this hypothetical like, yeah, if you're interested, like, let me know. That almost gives them an easy out to ignore you. Oh, that's so good. Because I, it's funny, I'm listening to this. It's called Business Wars. Have you heard of it? It's this new podcast. I'm obsessed. No. But um, he is unpacking the the war between TikTok and Instagram and how they both started. Oh. I know. It's super good. But um, yeah, it was just talking about how the creator of TikTok, his kind of, um, I don't know, aha moment was in realizing that people don't know what they want. And yeah. so that's why the For You page is designed. What you like, what you pay attention to, what you watch the longest is all curated curated, is that the word? <laughs> to give you more of what you want. And that's how, you know, a lot of logarithms are set up when it comes to social media. But that is kind of like the building, the foundation of that app. Anyway, but what you said is so true because if you say, hey, you tell me what you want, that's like, well, I don't know. Instead you're saying, hey, here's an incredible opportunity to partner with me. Like you you do the thinking for them. It just makes it easier for the other person. Yeah. And you know your own audience best. I think we all as human beings tend to think of ourselves more often than we would like to admit in the sense of we kind of feel like everyone's watching us all the time. Like you get in your own head and you're like, oh, what's this person going to think of me? What's this person going to think about this decision? Or like everyone's watching when really everyone is thinking that same thing. So people aren't necessarily watching you. They're watching themselves. So people will reach out to a brand, for example, thinking that, assuming that the brand just like knows who they are or like knows how to click through to their Instagram or click to their blog or whatever. But people don't often do their due diligence and research and people are busy and they're again, thinking of themselves. So if you can just make it easy for them and be like, here's, here's me, here's who I am. Give them an elevator pitch. Tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do and what you have to offer them and make it about them and how you and your audience can benefit them specifically you are like a thousand times more likely to get a response than just being like, yeah, hi, I have a lot of Instagram followers and I want to work with you and me, 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 me. It makes the conversation more about you than them. And now it's a weird dynamic where they feel like they're benefiting you by responding to you instead of you being able to offer them something as someone who maybe is a thought leader or does have influence or whatever the case might be. So it's just like really important to be able to build a genuine relationship on mutual benefit and mutual value instead of it becoming like a weirdly one-sided dynamic, even if it's unintentionally becoming so. This is so good. And I'm thinking how applicable this conversation is not only for, you know, influence marketing and stuff like that, but just interviews and looking for jobs. Because so often I see resumes of like, yeah, me, 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 assuming you know all about me and assuming just it's very me centric instead of here's how I can benefit your company. I mean, you know, if I'm looking at application, I'm going to be much more interested in 
how this person can benefit. I mean, everyone is. How can they can benefit my company? That's why you're hiring them. That's mm-hmm. why you're giving them salary because you know that they can, you know, contribute to your company's forward movement. So that is that's very very good. And a lot of it too is subtle. Like it's subtle word choices. That's why I say like taking out the word just can be very powerful. Ending with a question mark instead of a period can be very powerful. Even just I saw someone's email the other day, and I called her out because it was every single sentence started with the with the word I. And mm-hmm. I don't she didn't even realize she was doing it and it was a pitch to a brand where she was trying to show them look what I can do for you, but the email was like I'm this person. I do this. I do this. I can do this. I want to do this and I read it and I my fir- I had like a weird vibe where I was kind of feeling defensive of the brand where I was like but who are like who are you to to ask all of these things? It was a totally innocent email but it just gives a it gives someone a tone in reading it where it's like I, me 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 and you kind of almost want to shoot back like okay yeah but what about you like what what makes you special what makes you different what makes you the person for this job it almost makes someone more defensive unnecessarily so in reading it just because it's so centered around yourself instead of making it about the other person people love talking about themselves but you want to use that for your advantage when you're in an interview or when you're pitching a brand or whatever it might be. Like you want to show that you care about them so that they kind of feel like they're getting a little pat on the back as they're reading the email and they're much more warm and open and willing to have that conversation with you about other bigger things because it doesn't just feel like they're just helping you do something in your career or helping you do something that you want to get done. They're like, all right, well, I can help a lot of people. So why you? Like why you specifically? I love this. So I'm wondering if you can give an example, like when it comes to selling yourself, whether that's on an interview or trying to get a brand deal or like, here's what I bring to the table and here's why this would be beneficial. And maybe, maybe a specific example would be in what you do or how you help coach women to do the same thing, but just the best practices on how to do this thing well. Sure. Uh, well, it's going to look a little different if you're doing something like pitching a brand in what I do versus a general interview. But uh, in general, so for something like what I do, that might look like being able to say to someone, okay, I'm I'm so-and-so. My audience is 18 to 34-year-old millennial women largely based in the South, for example. This is a totally hypothetical. <laughs> totally I was going to say, are you doing me? You could do me. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's going to look different if you are doing something like what I do and pitching a brand on an influencer marketing project, for example, uh, versus an interview. But the general gist is you want to be able to connect the dots between the value that you bring to the table and what the brand needs. So for me, for example, oftentimes that might look like I'm saying to a brand like, Hey, okay, this is who I am. Here's my platform here's my audience that I have the connection to. So total hypothetical, it might be like, my audience is predominantly 18 to 34 year old women, largely based in the South. Um, They care a lot about their families. They care, they love sweet tea, you know, like whatever the, whatever it makes the most sense here. And it might be, okay, I know that they're going to love this product from this brand because they've expressed to me how much this is how this is what they're looking for on their 
target runs or like whatever the case might be. You're connecting the dots between here's what I have that can help you. And here's the, the opportunity that I offer for you. If you're in like a, a more general interview setting, it obviously looks a little bit different, but it might be, okay, in my past roles, I had to do a lot with data analysis. I was looking at spreadsheets all of the time. I learned how to create models on XYZ. I know from the job description that that's a heavy part of the what my everyday workload might be. So I was, not only was I good at it, but I did it with a smile on my face. I love it. It's something that brings me joy and I can, you know, I can do the job well, but I can do it in a happy way that, you know, makes me a valuable member of the team. Something where you're kind of connecting the dots to show that you pay attention to what somebody actually needs and what they're looking for. And you're actively and intentionally connecting the dots to how you can make that happen, how you bring value specifically Um, not just like, here's me and making them connect the dots. You basically want to be the person to connect dots for them so that it's less work on their plate. And it just works a million times better. (laughs) Yes. Making it easy for them. I, I was part of a mastermind group of, you know, fellow business entrepreneurs. And, and that was something that came off a lot, just making it easy for your clients and Mm -hmm. whoever you're working with or people that you're interviewing with, the more work you can do on their end and just like, making easy decisions, then you're going to be the perfect person for the job, so to speak. Yeah. Even, oh my gosh, if you can go above and beyond and like find, if you're interviewing for a job and you can go ahead and if it's, if this is makes sense for what the role is, if you can like come up with some constructive critiques or thoughts ahead of time to show that you've already kind of gone above and beyond where you already have ideas. Like you're coming to the table with ideas of how you can grow or things you can think of. And you can just present that in a really polite and professional way of like, yeah, have you guys considered X, Y, Z? Because I was doing some research on, you know, TikTok, for example. And I noticed that the company hasn't ventured into, has the company ventured into that before? Have you considered that? Like just things where you can have a really intentional conversation that show that you that you care and that you're not just in it for you, but that you're in it for them too. Sometimes that's enough in and of itself, I think, to really spark someone's interest enough to listen to you and to take you seriously because you're someone that's not just another another resume trying to get a paycheck at the end of the day, but you're someone who will truly be a valuable member of a team. And that's, you know, like that is really invaluable to people. A hundred percent. I have a perfect example. So every semester I take calls for ambassadors, like girls to kind of work with me and to help, you know, spread stuff on social media and stuff like that. And back to back, you'll see an application like, yes, oh my gosh, I would love this. I listened to your podcast. I read your book. I believe in this movement. Here's some things I believe I, I could bring to it. You know, I'm good at graphic design. I'm passionate about this. I can like, they know about it. They are excited about it. They they are part, they just bleed part of the team. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then the next (laughs) application will be like, I mean, it sounds cool. I mean, I'm in a sorority, so that sounds cool. And and I need an internship. Right. Um, (laughs) Massive difference. Massive difference. And that's the thing is it's like, it's, it's like a reflection of self versus not where it's like, one is like, well, I need this. And I think people forget that like we're not actually owed anything in life. Yeah. Like there's no <laughs> there's literally nothing anywhere that promises that we deserve a certain number of internships or a certain job or a certain salary. Like we're not owed anything by anyone. So we for- and we forget that I think a lot of times in today's day and age. So it's like if you could take a step back and realize that as as good as you might be, 
we are in a world where there are a lot of good people at a lot of things because we have technology and we have so much at our disposal and so much hunger and ambition, which is awesome. But at the same point, it's kind of like, all right, you got to kind of humble yourself and take a step back and and really be looking as to how you can bring genuine value to someone and how you can truly serve someone and find a really good mutual fit. Not just like, yeah, I need this. So you're going to give it to me and it's going to be great. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like you're reading my mind because I'm like, I need to ask her next about confidence. And that was like the perfect lead in because I feel like when it comes to pricing yourself, when it comes to showing up on social media well, and even selling on social media, because sometimes people will turn their nose up on that. So first of all, we need to understand that if we are getting valuable content from influencers that we like on social media, we have to realize that they have to pay for their bills somehow. So if they are going to promote deal with it. And they're also the ones that you like are oftentimes or all the time promoting stuff they believe in. Yeah. I mean, granted, I'm, I know that there are some people who will just like not really genuinely share th- some things, but to that, I say you really just got to be discerning about who you choose to follow because no one's yeah. forcing you to follow anyone. So I know I can only speak for myself, but I absolutely never, ever, ever share something that I don't actually love. Oftentimes I'm telling like my contracts will have a contingency on it where like if I and up not loving something, I don't, I literally will turn down a paycheck because I'm like, I'm not going to share something that I can't, if I can't, my criteria is like, if I can't recommend this to my best friend and to my mom, I'm not going to talk about it to the girls that follow me on Instagram because that's just like way too sacred a relationship for me. Yeah. And that's just lying. Like I could never just like lie to someone's face and be like, yeah, this is great. When really it's crap. Like, no, 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 no. And most, more often than not, you have to share something organically so many times for a brand to even notice you where it's like, there's so many times where you're, you're not getting paid to like talk about anything and everything on Instagram. More often than not, you're not getting paid a penny. You're only getting affiliate commission if, and when someone actually uses your specific link to buy something, if they don't use your link, if they click on somebody else's link first, like you don't get anything. And if you get affiliate commission for a product, you might literally get three cents. Like there are times where someone has bought a shirt through me and my commission from Target was a whopping 10 cents. Like it is not like that is this crazy thing that's that's, um, paying all the bills here. So it's it's one of those things where, oh my gosh, if you can support a small business by just like liking and commenting on their stuff on Instagram and just like being genuine with your show of support when you appreciate someone creating free content on the internet, like, that yeah. kind of none of us none of us are owed content by anybody either you know like people people create for free all the time artists musicians like so much and we're not owed anything so if you can show a genuine show of support that would help someone's business or help someone's career when it costs you nothing like oh my gosh yeah. why would you not there's a business woman's podcast I follow and she's given me tons of tons of free content and, you know, follow her Instagram. I just get like, I have learned so much from what she teaches about what it is I'm doing behind the scenes. And I one time bought a $70 like template from her and I realized like it didn't work on what I needed and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I could like demand a refund, but then I'm like, you know what? (laughs) She's giving me hundreds of dollars of content and that's just a small example. But if someone else is, you know, throwing up there that they, I don't know, like this handbag and you are in the market for a handbag and you know, like, and trust this influencer, you're literally helping her to feed her family by, you know, supporting that bag. So yeah. 
stuff that people just don't really think about. Okay. So tell me, obviously, you know, making 10, 10 cents on a target shirt isn't growing you to the six figure business that you have built. And that's amazing. And I know that there's multiple streams, but what would you tell the girl who's trying to get this started? Because I think a lot of people, influencer wasn't a job title uh, a couple years ago, but Literally. now it is. And it's such a really cool opportunity. So how do you make it all work? I still stick to what I've been saying as advice for literally since the beginning of when I started giving advice on this, which is you actually cannot start it for the money. Uh, You just can't because every single person that I see start it because they see some sort of like overly glamorized thing on Instagram that they think is easy and fun and a quick buck. It's not. So everybody who starts it with that intention ends up quitting or not making it very far because then they see how much work it actually takes behind the scenes and how much you have to do for free before you actually start making money. And it's like, no, actually it's not possible. So you have to start it for a bigger why. Like for me, it was always to inspire people and to create a genuine connection with my audience and to have a true community. And that at the core has always been that way. So even on the days where I'm not making a single dollar, I can still show up fully 100% to serve my girls because at the end of the day, I'm there to serve my girls. Like it's as simple as that. And it's, it just, that has to be, you have to have a why that's just bigger than I want to make X amount of dollars on Instagram because otherwise there's so many people in that sea it won't happen. Like it just, you'll blend in with everybody else who wants to, wants to do the same thing. So I think it's really important to focus on a bigger and deeper why that is beyond dollar signs and to really figure out what you bring to the table that's new and that's different and that's unique and focus on serving with that, you know, like whether, whether that's inspiring people with your words or whether that's like, teaching people something like maybe you're a really good baker and you're like, you know what? Like everyone always asks me about my recipe for X, Y, Z. I can start doing, you know, like easy baking recipes on Instagram reels, you know, like something that will actually benefit somebody's life in some way, shape or form. And then show up and do that and do it consistently and do it without expectation and then naturally foster something from that, like naturally foster community around that or foster like whatever it is that you're doing. That's the biggest and most important thing in starting out because it's absolutely mandatory at this point for it to blossom into something monetary. You have to do it well, you have to do it consistently and you have to do it regardless of whether or not there's dollar signs attached to it. Because if you become someone where every single thing you post is an ad, you're going to, that's going to be very short lived and you'll lose it all in the end anyway, because you'll lose the audience that was monetized in the first place. So yeah. (laughs) Yes. No, that's so good. Okay. And I talk about this all the time because it took me a long time to find confidence in my voice and especially a lot of my young listeners they, they might hear, okay, cool. Well, I am actually good at baking and I would like to, you know, talk more on Instagram about how I have this killer chocolate chip cookie recipe or whatever, but so-and-so is already doing it. So-and-so has more followers. My cookie recipe probably isn't really that good. Anyways, all of those stinking voices in their head, telling them they're not enough that make me want to go strangle all those naysaying voices. <laughs> but I have a lot to say about that, but I'm curious what you would tell them. There is always going to be someone who did it better, who did it first, who did it whatever, but that person is not you. And God made you for a specific reason in this season. And that's pretty much as simple as that. Like if you're looking for 
grass to be greener elsewhere, you're going to find it. But then you're in that, in doing that, you're not watering your own grass. So what good is that going to do for anybody? We can become so consumed with looking at the next girl and there's always going to be a next girl. And that's just completely taking the focus off of the girl that we are and the girl that we were created to be. It's like, I see this all the time because I loved Rachel Hollis for a long period of time. And I was comparing myself to her as a writer and as a speaker and whatever. And then it hit me one day because I was having conversation with someone and mentioned her name and they were like, wait, who's that? And I was like, (sighs) wait, what? Like to me, I was like, she's got like millions of Instagram followers and she's sold out stadiums of thousands of people to speak. She has like a cult following and you don't know, you've never even heard of her. And I was like, wait, that's like that for everybody everywhere. Like there are very few people who are truly a globally known name. Like you've got like Oprah, You've got like Jesus, <laughs> but like there are, there's still people who, if you say Elon Musk, they're like, who's that? And have no clue. Or if you say like yeah. Jeff Bezos, they're like, who the heck is that? Like there's, there are still people who by worldly standards have achieved the epitome of success and they are complete unknown names to people still. So you really have to focus on like, okay, what am I in this for? Like, am I in this to help myself or am I in this to help a very specific person? And if I help one girl change her life who is in that audience of my specific person, is that enough? You know, like, is that, do I feel like that's what I'm called to do? Or is it one girl? Is it three girls? Is it 20? Is it 20,000? Like what would make it worthwhile for me? And I think that more of us than not would, if we were given the opportunity to like, totally change somebody's life. I think more often than not, we'd be like, you know what? I'm okay with that. Like one girl. Awesome. That's, that's pretty darn fulfilling to know that you've totally changed someone for the better. And it was you and only you that did that. I'm over here nodding my head like crazy. You know, maybe it's my marketing background, but I notice this stuff all the time. And I was Googling the other day out of curiosity how much money Burger King has made. And I have a point. Um, it's something, I don't remember how many billions of dollars. But the point to that is McDonald's existed first. <laughs> So what if they were like, oh, there's already cheap hamburgers out there. I'll just go mind my own business. Billions of dollars and jobs and who knows what else would not have existed. So who cares if someone else is doing it? Like your voice still matters. And it goes the saying goes like you can be the world's juiciest peach and there's still going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. Yes. So it's like not – there's very few, if anything, in this world that every single person likes. You know, like there's always – Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) No, I mean you're pretty right with that one. But still, like the analogy still stands where like there's – you know, there's always going to be somebody who you're not for and that's okay. Like you're not meant to be for – everybody like Jesus wasn't even for everybody, you know, like still had people that didn't like him. Yeah, totally. That's like, that's, that's kind of what you kind of have to think of too, where you're not, not everybody is going to love what you're doing, but that's okay because you're not meant to be, you're not doing it for everyone. You're doing it for the specific people who you were meant to do it for. A hundred percent. Okay. You graduated with a business degree I'm sure you never saw what you're doing now coming. So I guess just kind of bridging a gap a little bit of how you started all that. I want you to talk to me about meeting your husband because our young listeners love these stories. And just kind of that young, graduating, finding your career path kind of stage. Yeah. My thought process was always kind of process of elimination from what I knew I did not want. 
So I really kind of looked at it as what do I want my everyday life to look like? Like, what do I want if I'm going to something from nine to five or whatever it might be, what kind of actual tasks could I see myself doing every single day? And for me, I always kind of was coming back to the same things where I was like, I don't want to be doing the exact same thing. I love writing. I love talking to people. I love, you know, negotiating and having kind of like boss kind of conversations. Like it always, I love creating and thinking of, really creative things and strategizing outside the box and that sort of stuff. So for me, I was more so trying to find a role that fit all of those things instead of finding a role that I would fit into. From the start, I was like, okay, I can't do anything medical because I would pass out at the sight of blood. And I am totally not an accounting girl because I'd rather watch the grass grow. Like I was kind of processing, I was eliminating things like that. And then once I got to a point of, okay, I've eliminated the obvious no's for my life on a general sense, then I could get more specific with like, okay, what were those specific, the specific things? I did meet my husband when I was in college. Funnily enough, it was my first day of college. I did a pre-freshman program that was the month before my freshman year of college started. And I distinctly remember driving to school with my parents and saying to them, all right, well, I guess I'm going to be single for the next four years. Because at the time I, I went to the University of Pennsylvania, which is a Ivy League school, but also is known for having a pretty intense party scene and like kind of has that work hard, play hard reputation. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I managed to get into my dream school. I'm not going to mess it up by, by doing anything crazy or like getting distracted by boys. Like I was like, all right, I'm going to be single and I'm going to focus on my career and me and all of that. And God laughed at me. And the next day I met my husband. So yeah, I was actually talking to a different guy at the time. Um, just at, at people at the time were like creating Facebook groups for their incoming class. So I had met a guy through that and we had just been like, we had started texting and we actually had Skyped a few times even before actually beginning freshman year. But then once I met who is now my husband, that other guy became old news because I just so quickly like totally wasn't to my husband. But the funny part was that my husband was actually, he's seven years older than me. So this was like largely crazy at the time because I was 18, he was 25. My parents almost had a heart attack at that. Yeah, I bet. And it was, we knew right off the bat, we were like, wait, this is like totally going to give, people are going to look at us a certain way. Like this is not, so we had to be very certain that we actually were serious about each other before making anything official or even like going out on dates in public or anything. Cause we were like, there's going to be talk around this, but we were just, um, we were just super into it and we both just kind of knew and we're pursuing it with really like innocent intentions and really like pure hearts with it. And we just like knew that this was, that this was right. And we just, yeah, the rest is just kind of history because we've been together for eight years now. So <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. I love that so much. My husband and I are six years apart and we always joke, like if we would have met in middle school, like it, it would not have, it would not have been a thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's crazy. I've often joked with him about that. Cause I'm like, you're lucky we met when like I was 18 and you were 25. Cause literally one year earlier or like, I don't know, like three or four years earlier, it would have been weird. <laughs> yeah. Way weird. <laughs> like super weird. <laughs> Well, I just appreciate this so much. I think that you have given us so much wisdom when it comes to just kind of chasing your dreams, finding your confidence and knowing what you're worth um, monetarily. You know, I talk about like what you're worth, just, you know, knowing your worth in so many different ways and we can unpack that for days, but like just 
showing up to an interview or a brand deal or whatever it is and not being afraid to ask for all of the work that you're going to put into that partnership. And I think that that's really exciting. Um, Before I let you go, we have to ask our listeners, if you could have coffee with your 20-year-old self, what would you say? I would probably say um, you are a hell of a lot stronger than you think you are. And you won't feel it in the moment, but one day you will look in the mirror and you'll be like, I did that and God helped me and you'll be pretty proud. And that's pretty darn good. (laughs) I like it. I like it a lot. Well, where can everyone find you on Instagram? Instagram, you can find me. My handle is just my name. So it's Erica Legenza. It's E-R-I-C-A-L-I-G-E-N-Z-A. And the blog is coming at rosestheblog.com. Yep, absolutely. And Thrive, you can follow Thrive on Instagram too. It's at Thrive period podcast. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for being here, Erica. I can't wait to share this with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. No big deal. But this past Friday, I opened my inbox to an email that said this little podcast recorded in your girl Katie's little closet has reached 50,000 downloads. I am not sure I can even count that high, but by golly, that many downloads have happened. And that is thanks to you, you who take screenshots and share this on social, you who go to iTunes and leave a review. You guys have made this possible and I'm thankful to the moon and back for each of you. If you are new here and haven't left your review on iTunes yet, head on over to iTunes and do that real quick. If you tag me at Katie Bulmer Life on Instagram, I'll make sure I share and give you a shout out on Instagram too. Thanks for hanging out with me today, guys. And I hope that you got some truth for your 20s.